Let's start tonight in Ottawa, where Hockey Canada's board chairs were clearly playing defense today under questioning by MPs from the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage. They grilled representatives from the sports governing body about its handling of those alleged sexual assaults and how money was paid out in lawsuits. Now, this all began, you may remember, with revelations that Hockey Canada had settled a $3.55 million sexual assault lawsuit in May uh, for an undisclosed sum a few weeks after it was filed without a full investigation. And now, after new revelations that the organization had not won, but two funds built with registration fees set aside to handle payouts for sexual assault claims, amongst other things, information that was never really disclosed to parents and players. Today, Interim Board Chair Andrea Skinner and former Board Chair Michael Brindamore were questioned by members of that committee about why Hockey Canada's President and Chief Executive Officer had not been fired and why the agency hired an expensive public relations firm, Navigator, to conduct damage control this summer. What we have heard is that is that there is a call for for a new perspective. And so Hockey Canada has secured outside perspective and, and navigator is one of those perspectives but, but we're who, taking but steps who, to change how we communicate yeah um damage control is what they normally call it um and skinner says they continue to support the leaders of hockey canada in spite of the public outcry she says the organization needs stability during a tumultuous time uh, committee chair mp Hedy fry was was not satisfied with their answers our board, frankly, does not share the view that senior leadership should be replaced on the basis of what we consider to be substantial misinformation and, and unduly cynical attacks. You know, I appreciate that others disagree with us, but our positions are based on the information that we have and an understanding that Hockey Canada has an excellent reputation. Uh, Hedy Fry said that she felt they weren't taking responsibility. On Monday, Federal Minister of Sport Pascal Sedot said the organization treats sexual assault like an insurance problem rather than a systemic issue that needs to be addressed. She's also calling on Hockey Canada's leaders to step down, and she was clearly disappointed by what she heard today. At this point, with the current leadership, uh, I've, I don't have hope uh, that, they're, that they have the capacity to renew themselves from within. That's why I'm calling for uh, the 13 voting members to impose that change at Hockey Canada. Pascal St. Ange there. Well, joining me now is Richard Powers. He's an associate professor who specializes in board director training at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. He's also the chair of the Commonwealth Sport Canada, or Commonwealth Sport Canada, rather. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you very much. Welcome. I, I enjoy being here. Yeah. Did you have a chance to watch today? I mean, it felt like a bit of uh, deja vu all over again from uh, the testimony earlier this year. But uh, Hockey Canada sticking to their guns, talking about their good reputation, their ability to sort themselves out through this crisis. Um, What do you make of that? Well, I I certainly think the scoreboard has changed a little bit. I think the inquiry committees have made up of politicians. It's I believe this is the third meeting that they've had with Hockey Canada officials. It's clearly three to them and zero to Hockey Canada. Why? I mean, this is not, you know, this is not an organization made up of people who don't know what they're doing. Um, How come they keep coming off like they're on the defensive? I guess it's because we keep finding out things that they didn't tell anybody. Well, you know, the surprising, uh, I guess, disclosures that have come out the last few days involve the existence of a second fund. Now, in the last uh, meeting between the politicians and Hockey Canada, They asked about the first fund, which they were, I guess, forthcoming about. But really, guilty by omission. The other fund was sitting there, and they didn't mention it at all. And I think that 
if uh, you know if the CEO had any chance of staying in place at that point, I think he lost it in the last couple of days. I, I, I can't believe that they're not willing to make a change after both the prime minister and the minister of sport have told them in both official languages, we want to see change. Yeah, and, and then the revelation, of course, that they went out, like many organizations do, went out and hired crisis communicators to try to spin their way out of this, uh, to, you know, spin around their way out of this, if you can forgive the pun. That also came back to bite them today. It did. And, you know, I, I, again, I, I have a bit of a conflict. We work with uh, the Robin School works with Navigator. I don't have any problem with them, them being involved in this particular case. But, uh, again, are they listening to their to the counsel that they're getting from the outside sources. Uh, I know the protocol that these source, that these companies use, and one of the main responsibilities of a board initially is to decide in terms of a crisis, in the existence of a crisis, where is this going to end and get there as quickly as possible. I think it's very clear that this is going to end with a change at the senior management level and a change at the board, and they just seem to be tone deaf at this stage. Which is, I mean, um, they brought in uh, Skinner as the new as the new interim board chair. She has some experience. I think they thought this might change the page a bit, but they keep running into this wall that is, you know, these other stories being dug up on them. They're not revealing this stuff. And you're right, there's nothing wrong with hiring. I mean, most organizations, when they're in crisis, bring in crisis communication help, right? It's it's kind of how it works. Um, but But what now then? I mean, Clearly today, they were saying, listen, we're going to stick through this. They even brought up things saying basically that they're being scapegoated, that hockey's being scapegoated well, here. Yeah. And, and, and Ms. Skinner you know, answered a direct question as to, well, there were two questions. One, what are the three traits that make the current CEO, the person's lead, the cultural change that they need? And quite frankly, she didn't answer that well. Uh, the other question was, they asked, what score would you give the current CA based on his performance to date? And she gave him an A. And, you know, I don't think anybody in the country would give this gentleman an A. And, you know, I have to be fair here. I don't know these people. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're making opinions based on the, the media. But, you know, we did hear what they said today, and it, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's happened here, I would think, is that they've just completely lost control of what was already a, a really bad bad story for them. I mean, just the the intolerance that a lot of, that, and rightly so, that people have towards organizations not being transparent about these sorts of things. First, the allegations themselves. Second, the sort of the, the allegations of a cover-up using funds. I mean, it's all just gone so terribly wrong. Uh, and again, Scott Smith, who's the CEO, I mean, he's been there for, for many, 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 many years. So what now? I mean, what, what happens now? We've They, they sort of uh, stood, tried to stood, stand their ground today, Andrea Skinner did. Um, but it feels like this is going to have to come to a head at some point very soon. Well, you know, I think we have to be, you know, a, a bit fair to the people involved. Miss Skinner is a volunteer director. She has a full-time job. She has a family. She certainly didn't, uh, you know, she, she accepted the position as interim chair, knowing that this was going on, obviously. But it, it's tremendously stressful for her as an individual. But at the same time, she has stepped into that position and she has to take some ownership of what's happened. Unfortunately, she's been there on the board for five years. She has been part of the decision making. And, you know, you look at the legal, I'm, I'm a, a lawyer and I, I look at some of the decisions that they've made regarding settlements. You know, they, they made a settlement with the with the complaint from 2018 without doing a, an investigation. And it just doesn't make any sense. Do we know it was all true? You know, let's assume that it was and that's why they paid. But again, making decisions without complete information is one of the 
problems that a board always has, but this board seems to be making decisions with little or no information based on the advice of outside parties. They have to take more control over this, and I do believe that we will see some change coming very, very quickly. How long can they leave current management in place when nobody is buying the story that they're putting out there? I think that there is a significant risk to the organization if all of the board resigns and all of senior leadership is no longer there. I think that will be very impactful in a negative way to our boys and girls who are playing hockey. Will the light stay on on the rink? I don't know. We can't predict that. I still feel distressed and disturbed to some extent that there doesn't seem amongst the witnesses to be a sense of accountability. That was Andrea Skinner, the interim board chair of Hockey Canada today, testifying on Parliament Hill in front of a committee. MP Hetty Fry is the committee chair. You heard from her second there. Richard Powers is our guest this half hour. He's with the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. He's a he specializes in board director training, and obviously that's a um, governance is, is part of this. So what do you make of this idea that the lights might go off if uh, if Hockey Canada is somehow destabilized, destabilized here? Um yeah, it, it's just again. I mean, we talked. I guess we've talked about this quite a bit already. But it, uh, it it was quite quite the performance today. Well, you know, she's under the gun, and I'm not sure these some of these answers were planned. She was probably you know speaking off the cuff a little bit, but no, that doesn't make any sense. Minor hockey is controlled by the associations and organizations across Canada. Uh, if if Hockey Canada went into a tailspin or whatever, I don't think it's going to affect the lights or the ability for for young boys and girls to play hockey. What it will do is perhaps put a halt on uh, how they progress through the ranks in hockey because Hockey Canada does control that. But again, that can be easily rectified. Now, you've spent time, I mean, you you know boards and sport, uh, and we've seen other organizations uh rowing canada today had a report out that was quite scathing what's going on i mean exactly it feels like this is a real reckoning for a lot of governing bodies of sporting uh associations in this country what do you think's happening and and is it a good thing well it's a good thing that these things are coming to light and, and rowing today as you mentioned hockey canada uh you know even the sport i was involved in for a number of years rugby we've seen you know other organizations as well go through these types of issues I think what's happening is that for for such a long period of time, victims of abuse were afraid to speak up because they knew or felt that it would, uh, you know, terminate their careers. And you know, for an athlete, that's what they're that's what they're trying to do. They're looking to the professional ranks, or they're looking for the you know the glory of the Olympics or one of the amateur games, Camp Pan Am games or the Commonwealth Games. These these are real issues. If they complain about a particular coach, will they be sidelined? And Nobody said anything. What is happening today is, and I think the hashtag MeToo movement was a, instrumental in, in kickstarting this, is that people are speaking up and they're taking that risk. Many athletes are waiting till they're finished their careers until they speak up. And I think that will change as well. Uh, there's obviously change is needed in any sport, in any working environment. These issues come up and a good organization recognizes that they're there and deals with them you know, in advance, puts in protocols and systems in place, uh, you know, whistleblower lines, whatever you want to call it, so that people can make these, bring these issues to the forefront anonymously, so as not to derail their careers in business and or sport. So that's the big change I think we're seeing. 
And within the organizations themselves, um, I know it's probably a different story in every organization. The gravity of it is different probably in every organization. But what allows these things to go on within these organizations? Is it is it they become fiefdoms for those who've been there? Is it that people have been there and involved in the sport for too long, so they have outsized power over, over the people that they're governing? I think that's a very good way to explain it. Remember, the board is there, and again, I, I want to be fair to Hockey Canada in some ways and, and other organizations. In most sporting organizations, the boards are volunteers. I'm not aware of any directors of sporting organizations in Canada. They're being paid a fee to donate their time and expertise to these to these governing bodies. So they are volunteers. They're good people. They're trying to do the best job they can. But they're there for such a fraction of the time. You know, we know the stats. They're there for perhaps 200 to 300 hours per year. Management is there 2,500 to 3,000 hours per year. It is impossible for the board to know as much as management. We refer to that as the information chasm. Boards are always making decisions with incomplete information, oftentimes using information that's provided by management. And, you know, it goes through their filter first. So it is a very tough position to be in. I applaud all the volunteer directors. Again, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of directors supporting amateur sport in Canada. You know, there are problems sometimes, but I think we also have to put this in perspective. Many other sports are governed properly and have made the necessary changes, and I am confident that Hockey Canada will make those changes as well. Yeah, it's important to point that out, uh, not not to be overly critical here as well at the same time. But again, to go back to that idea of, of the power that lies within management, these, it feels like these fiefdoms are created within management of these organizations sometimes, and it's very hard to move people out. They, they have incredible amounts of power. And I think that part of what we're seeing here is that incredible power imbalance that has existed and now people speaking out and fighting back. Well, it really is. And it comes down to who controls the purse strings. You know, in Hockey Canada, like many other organizations, you know, it is the senior executives that present plans to the board for approval. You know, they've done the homework. They know where they're going to put their, the monies that they raise. It, uh, again, it's very difficult for the board to know as much as management. And again, you're sort of held captive by management in the information that you get. So, uh, again, in a sense, I do have some some compassion for the for the board at Hockey Canada. But the bottom line is this says this these issues have been revealed. We know that they're true. And, you know, get off your butt, make some changes, and, and make the tough decisions. And those tough decisions involve change. Well, Richard Powers, thank you so much for your perspective on this. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. A pleasure.